Hi, and welcome to Social Work Study Sessions. I'm Miranda Barker, and today I wanted to talk about the history of traumatic disorders just really briefly because I want to jump more into evidence-based practices for treating traumatic disorders, and I thought that this would be a really good place to start. So this last semester, I read a book called Trauma and Recovery by Judith Herman, which I highly recommend. It was really eye-opening and just really fantastic and this book starts by talking about the history of traumatic disorders so most of the information that i'm going to talk about in this short podcast will be from judith herman's book so i know that you know this already but still prepare to be shocked because i talk about history but really most if really all of the history on traumatic disorders has happened in the last 150 years So in 1896, Freud, who was the father of psychoanalytic theory, studied women that were exhibiting symptoms classified under hysteria. And he found that all of these women had childhood sex abuse. He was really troubled by his findings and actually released um, a paper about it. And then later on, he ended up kind of recanting or taking back his his work that he did just because he concluded that the patient's accounts had to be untrue. He figured it is more likely that all of these patients have lied about their childhood sex abuse rather than this actually happening. At the time, he was studying all rich French women, and he thought that it would be impossible for for all of this childhood sex abuse to happen in kind of like the French Parisian elite. So he ended up taking and taking all of it back and just kind of abandoned his work around hysteria and um, these symptoms that these women were exhibiting. So then after the First World War, that's kind of when shell shock became a, a thing. And an American psychologist named Abram Cardiner studied men that were coming back from the war. At the time, it was thought that only the men that were weaker would exhibit or would experience shell shock and after Cardiner's work it was recognized for the first time that any man could break down under under these circumstances and that the these symptoms could be predicted in direct proportion to the severity of the combat exposure that these soldiers went through. He also found that the strongest protection against the psychological breakdown was the morale and the leadership of the soldier's unit. Fast forward to the 1980s when a researcher by the name of Diane Russell, uh, she had a study that interviewed 900 women, and this study was horrific because they found out through this research that over a third of the women had been sexually abused in their childhood and around one-fourth of the women had been raped as adults. So this study really made people realize how common sexual abuse and sexual assault is for women. And in 1972, a psychiatric nurse, Ann Burgess, and a sociologist named Linda Holstrom decided that they wanted to do their own research on Um, women who have been raped and some of the symptoms that they might exhibit and so they were living in Boston at the time and there was a prominent 
hospital in Boston, and these women were just effectively on call for for a year straight at this hospital. So any time of day, any time of night, if the hospital had a rape victim come into the emergency room or come in for care, then one of these women would be called. Herman wrote that these researchers saw 92 women and 37 children in that one year. And the researchers, Linda and Anne, they observed a pattern of psychological reactions and they started calling these symptoms in this pattern rape trauma syndrome. They said that a lot of the women that they interviewed really viewed the rape as a life-threatening event where they they were fearing death or mutilation during the assault. And then after the rape, a lot of the victims complained of insomnia, nausea, startle responses, nightmares, dissociative and numbing symptoms. And so when I read that first, I was struck because those are exactly the symptoms for what we know as post-traumatic stress disorder today. So this focus on rape of women and children in this study later led to kind of like the rediscovery and the um, shifted focus of abuse and sexual abuse of children. And then around that time, in the 1980s, Vietnam was over and a lot of the combat veterans that had gone through the war in Vietnam and the Second World War, they were really advocating for um, a post-traumatic stress disorder concept. It really became clear to researchers and those in the medical field too that the psychological syndrome that they saw in survivors of rape and child abuse and domestic battery, incest, all of those were essentially the same syndrome seen in survivors of war as well. So today we know that there are two different types of trauma. There is kind of simple or single incident trauma where that might be like a car accident or a tornado or, you know, something like that that happens where it's like you have a relatively normal life, but then you have this single isolated event that occurs. And then you have complex or developmental trauma. So this is more like child abuse. So like an environment of maltreatment or neglect, it's ongoing, it's um, unrelenting, and it's chronic. One thing that I found really interesting from Herman's book is when she's talking about chronic trauma. She says that chronically traumatized people no longer have a baseline of physical calm or comfort. And so over time, they have just developed this survival mentality and this this feeling of um, constantly being hyper-aroused. All right, let's talk a little bit about some DSM diagnoses for post-traumatic stress disorder. I'm not going to go into the symptoms for PTSD, but I do want to talk about um, some differential diagnoses really briefly for the purpose of studying for the board exam. So you've got adjustment disorders, and that is that can be diagnosed when the patient has experienced a stressful event, but maybe does not meet criteria for PTSD. You also have acute stress disorder, and that is when a patient is does meet all of the criterion for PTSD, but has only been exhibiting symptoms for between three days to one month. One other thing to keep in mind, especially if you're working with children that have been abused or are in foster care, we see the diagnosis of ADHD being thrown around a lot. And 
I think that a lot of the symptoms between anxiety disorders and PTSD and ADHD really overlap, as well as with um, depression. And so I think that when children are being diagnosed with ADHD, a lot of times it's really just kind of them exhibiting symptoms of a trauma response. All right. Thanks for listening. Next week, I plan to release a podcast all about treatment modalities and best approaches to working with families and adults that have experienced traumatic events. Have a great week. Bye.